Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying the show as much as I've been enjoying putting the interviews together and talking to some really, really fantastic people in the industry. Uh, today's episode, we have Katrina Kuro, who is a fantastic actress, dancer, and Vegas showgirl, which is a very unique sort of thing. Uh, obviously not something I can do, but something I greatly have respect for her doing. And uh, we're going to talk to her about all of those things. I had the pleasure of working with Katrina on a play called Still Dance the Stars, which was written by Jamie McGann and directed by Marcus Weiss, who is from Cirque du Soleil's O. He's worked with the Blue Man Group. He's been in La Rev. Uh, he's still doing some work with O occasionally. Uh, his son was in love. His wife is a choreographer and a great dancer. Uh, really, really into the uh, fine side of entertainment. One of the greatest people I've ever worked with, most versatilely talented. And uh, he was brilliant enough to cast Katrina as the lead in this play. And uh, I had no idea who she was before that. So it was a real pleasure to get to know her through that process. And we became really good friends. And uh, she has got some great insight into the different facets she's seen as she's growing her career in the industry as well. And I'm really excited to bring to you guys the interview that I did with her. So here we go. Okay, I'm happy to welcome to the show Katrina Carell. Katrina, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today, Scott? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time out to come on the show. You're such a dear, wonderful friend of mine, and I'm really grateful to have you on. So thanks. It is my pleasure. I love talking to you. So this is just another way to do it. Yes, it is. Thank you. Yeah, you're so much fun. Um, We met working on a play called Still Dance the Stars, which was a new production. I think we were only the third group to do it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yes. You were amazing in that show. Every night, because I was stuck on stage the whole time. Like, I didn't say a word, but I was there the entire time. And I watched your emotional, deep digging into the well performances every night. And then you would come off stage, and some nights you'd be really, you know, still carrying that emotion. And other nights you'd just be like, okay, that was fun. We'll do this again tomorrow. Just like nothing happened. (laughs) Is is there, I mean, you really had to dig into the well for that role. Is is there anything that you utilize? Are there tricks that you've learned to kind of turn the emotion on and off when you need to? Or does it sometimes really weigh on you? Um, tricks. I don't know about any tricks. I think sometimes it lasts a little longer only because it felt like after the play, sometimes it felt like I ran a marathon. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just, tired and I would just try to and then there's just ways like I warmed up my body and my voice um, really well before every show I did a warm-up when I was at home um, I did vocal warm-up on the way and then I did more warm-up when I got there um, I had certain go-tos for certain points in the show that I that's just part of my training that I tried to utilize but every night would be different. Right. Like I would find what, what worked one night didn't work the other night. And I would mess myself up if I relied too much on what worked before oh. and thinking that I'll just work again. And I don't know, I can't say what the audience saw. I just know what I felt and didn't feel at certain times. And, and then I relied on you guys on stage to kind of feed off of what you were giving me mm-hmm. and listening and seeing and, you know, and of course, then every night that's different too. 
Right. Right. So. Yeah, and our audience was vastly different every night. It, it seemed like yes. we, we had every audience type you could imagine in just that short time that we were doing the show. And it was amazing watching from my perspective because I basically got to see the entire audience the whole show. And, and you know, to see the expressions of people, Some every single time something happened, uh, they would just smile or laugh or just hang their head. Or I mean, you could tell that they were getting into it. And then there were those people that were just completely stoic. But at the end of the show, they just jumped out of their chair and erupted. It was, it was just a, so weird a combination of things. You saw something from a different perspective than I got to see too, and that's kind of cool. That's true. Yeah, that's the interesting thing too. Is that all of us that were involved in that show, we all have our completely own unique perception and experiences from that show, even though it's a collectively shared experience. Yeah, which I think is cool. I think so too. Did did you have a lot of interaction from the audience after the show? Some nights, and especially as the run um, progressed, I, I wound up talking more and more to people after the show, which I, I wasn't expecting. Sometimes I'd be getting my stuff together, and someone would be really kind and stay and talk to me, and um, you know, say what they felt about it, and and that was always, you know. It, Everyone has a place to go and everything. So when someone like t- takes the time to stay behind, and especially the one couple that experienced um, stillbirth themselves, I think I wound up talking to them about a half hour after the show. And for them to even just stay and kind of uh, rekindle, like not rekindle, but think about all that stuff again and talk to me about it, I thought that was very generous of them. Well, you definitely hit hit some kind of connection with them, even if it just started based on the subject matter. But obviously, throughout the course of the play, they felt such a connection that they wanted to meet you. And I think that's that's just a testament to uh, what you really delivered on stage. Well, thanks. Like, I think you just hope like that story was the like the base of it was so powerful. Like, you just hope like you really do it justice and and give it the respect it deserves. Now, when you're doing a play versus, say, something on film, what do you really look for in a director? What makes you want to work with a director? That's a great question. I guess someone that is, um, I mean, ideally, there's different circumstances. Like, I'll work on a commercial, and it's very quick. You just got to go. There's no time to think or have a discussion. Then you can work on a short or a feature. you got a bit more time, or it could still be, like, scheduling, and it's like, okay, no especially if you're just, like, the day player. Right. The plays, you definitely have. And and Marcus gave us a lot of um, time to think, to explore, to talk about themes, issues, the story, our relationships. So I felt like I got a year of acting school in one, one play rise just because he just gave us a lot of time to explore. Right. And I, sometimes I think that's wonderful, like, to have that and work with someone and with his improv background. Mm-hmm. That's what excited me to work with Marcus, like, his background. I was like, I'm going to learn a lot from this guy. Yeah. And I did. I did. I learned a lot. And that's what I hope any project, that's, like, the ideal, like, the one that's going to challenge me. And it will get frustrating at times, but then exhilarating because, you know, you just learn so much the whole run through from start to finish. Yeah, and, and, and he's really a bursting at the at the seams with creative energy kind of guy. And But it, it was a great play. I was, I was 
deeply honored to have been a part of it and to write some music for it and to be on stage with you guys. It was just, a, a, in the end, it turned out to be an absolutely incredible experience. And I made a lot of great friends. Same here. You're here. Now, you mentioned being a, a day player earlier. So you've been in some movies that people would know, obviously. Ocean's Eleven was probably the, the <laughs> biggest one. <laughs> you did not bring that up. I did just bring that up. Well, because here's, here's the difference. When I was in the Jason Bourne movie that they shot, I shot with them for a day at the Aria, and I was one of 1,500 extras. I did make it into the trailer, and I did make it into the film, but that's only because I know where I am. Right. I'm not somebody, like, I couldn't just watch the film and go, oh, there's me, and somebody goes, hey, I saw you in this film. They're going to have to really look to see where I'm at. <laughs> uh, but you're, like, you're you're actually, it's a short part, but you're featured in the movie. You actually have no. dialogue and you interact. No. Not in Ocean's Eleven. I'm a talk show waitress, so and and I have like a pixie cut. So if you blink, you miss me. Oh, um, I, I would have to point you out. So the film I did last year, which hasn't come out yet, I don't think, was Gloria. Oh, that's right. And so I'm hoping that one. I had um, some lines with Julianne Moore and John Turturro, who were so nice. And I'm hoping that that scene won't get cut, but I won't know. But um, any, with any love, you at least see my profile. There you <laughs> go. Well, and then, and you, but you know what? That's what's crazy about this business is sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Somebody could be watching the film and go, oh, my God, I love her look. Or she's the <laughs> perfect height or the perfect you know face type or whatever for something I want to do. And then they call the casting director, find out who you were. It really can be that simple. It doesn't happen often that way, but it is possible. That's why you always want to do your best. No matter what you're doing. No matter what. <laughs> yeah, if it's a small role or a major role, there there is nothing that is is not worth doing the best you can do it if you're going to do it at all. People remember, I'm the more I, the commercial I shot last week, it was kind of cool. I worked with a couple guys that I remember from UNLV film school mm-hmm. uh, when I had started there. And they one guy was working the sound and and people remember the industry is small and and why wouldn't you want to do a good job because what's the point like why why show up like right always you know whatever the job is however big or small like go in and do the best you can you feel better at the end of the day anyway and it's a lot more fun that way oh absolutely and and you know what's the point of being in this business if you're not enjoying it yeah yeah, we, we got into it because we thought it would be fun <laughs> and it was something that we had some sort of connection to and uh, you know, acting is not an easy thing. People think it's a lot of fun and glamorous, and it really isn't. It's a lot of sitting around and waiting and makeup retouches. And for some people, it's eight hours just sitting there in a chair being made up. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's not that glamorous of a thing. But when you see the product, when it's all done, and you see where they've just captured this just perfect light on you or your hair just looks amazing or you delivered a line that just makes you go, oh, my God, how did I even think of doing it that way? Right. That's what makes all that worth it. You don't see what they don't see is like it's the constant touch-ups or the, oh, she's shiny or, oh, mm-hmm. no, she's sweating. Can someone dry her armpits out? <laughs> right. Or, oh, what's going on with her hair? Or, you know, you get the direction that's like, hmm. It just sounds like you're saying the line, so yeah. can we? <laughs> you know, right. So you don't see any of that, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and and then but. when you're doing it on stage, you know, like in a play setting, then it's you don't, you know, everything just moves because it has to keep moving forward. They're not going to stop the play to fix anything. No, right. Unless it's urgent, you know, like an emergency or something, and, and there's companies that don't even do that. They just 
take care of things discreetly. But what you get at the end is all the notes of the things that weren't right. Yes. <laughs> you said, I don't think people saw, like, yeah. right? You have to, I mean, I would sit almost every night, I think, until Marcus got sick of giving notes. <laughs> He's like, do you want your notes now or tomorrow? I'm like, give them to me now because I need to, to think about them and sleep on it. Mm -hmm. So it would be like an hour after the show and we would, we would uh, get notes and... And I go home and work on it. Yeah. And like, I, and I kind of have to do like that. I'm better off if I do as much work as I can as at night, sleep on it, get up, revisit it again, and it kind of marinates in me a bit. Right. If I had that option, like, you don't always get that option, but it's nice when I do get that option. Well, and I could be wrong, but I thought you started moving seats closer and closer to the door as the production went on, so that as soon as the notes were given, you could just go. <laughs> Maybe subconsciously, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but but how do you how do you uh, how do you handle that feedback? Is it something that that can can get you to the point where you get paranoid about making a mistake, or like let's say no. there was a, a line of dialogue that he just didn't like the way that you delivered it one night, and you go into the next show and you know that line's coming up. Do you start to kind of psych yourself out of doing a good job, or do you just forget about it and go with the moment? I think I. No, I, I don't get paranoid about it. I, it's, it's a note, so I take it and and do it. And there's times, and I execute it to the best of my ability with what he's asked me to do. And there were times, like, he would give me a note, mm -hmm. and, and I would do it, and he would come back. He's like, you know what, that was a bad note. <laughs> do what you were doing. That happened a few times, too. Yeah. But, you know, what's great about that is, A, my job is to execute to take that direction and just do it. Right. And then you see it. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of times where I'm like, mm, I don't think that's right, but you know what? Let me just see if I can do it this way. Mm -hmm. And let me try it. Because what it might bring something out in uh, my other actor, too. Right. You know, it might change, or he might give me something that is going to take me a different way, and I don't want to get used to the way I think it should be done. True. So that's kind of a fun little uh, game for me, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it's, like, great because I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's absolutely right because, you know, you need those eyes, those other eyes um, who are looking in from the outside right, and exactly. uh, helping you. That's, that's why you want a great director to work with. And then, you know, then there's those times where it's like you do it and, you know, it, actually – go back to how you were doing it, that doesn't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but hey, there has to be two. Right. Uh, part of that, too, though, has to do with the, the confidence and the trust that you have in the director to really just allow yourself to uh, accept what he's saying as possibility instead of saying, oh, he's just in a mood today or he's being this way today yeah. or, or that way. Because if you don't, like with Marcus, it's so easy to have a, a, a trust with him. But with a lot of people, um, it's not. Yeah, especially if you're just with them for like a day or it's just like, right. you know, two days of work and you're, yeah, I, yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, I mean, they have to trust you too. So it, it's like, it's kind of both, it's, you know, it's a relationship. It's both ways. Like right. we, you know, you have to help each other and that's all part of it. That's all part of the job. Yeah, I think it's just that difference between a combative director who just wants to feel in charge of everything all the time and that's how they get things done is by asserting that power in an aggressive manner versus someone who actually is really more concerned about the art itself and making the art the best thing it can be and you know being willing to to have that feedback and that dialogue to say all right let's try changing this and 
you know, as opposed to that just sort of aggressive, no, here's how you're going to do it. And sometimes that works, and it really depends on the actor. Yeah. But a lot of times it just seems like it's harder to give a natural performance when you're being barked at versus someone who you feel is like, I'm trying to bring out the best in both of us. Let's do this together. Yeah. Uh, I think the latter is going to get the better result. But then there are times and certain actors that need that kind of aggressive feedback. That's just it. Like, there's different personalities on both ends of that. And so, like, I guess the most ideal that whatever your personality is, that the communication and the clarity is there, mm. then that's ideal. If I know you work like this and I know I can work with it, you know, I can just end and flow with it. If it's like you're just constantly hitting a wall, that's when I think it's kind of, it's hard too when you're in, if you're, that's why I try to be as prepared as I can right. so I can kind of take myself out of the situation because it's those moments where I didn't feel like I had enough preparation mm-hmm. and I'm probably more sensitive. Mm-hmm. So if I'm as prepared as I can, I can, I can roll with things quicker and let things roll off my back and just move. And I mean, I was a, I'm, as a dancer for so many years that, you know, you get yelled at quite a bit as a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do a lot of jobs. You work with some wonderful people, but then there's going to be, you know, the people that are, like, yelling at you, like, what are you doing up there? Oh. Do you not know how to count? You know? Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, they tend to be a little more aggressive. And I, w- I was actually going to ask you about that because you've done, you've done a lot of work as a Vegas showgirl. And part of that was in the show Jubilee, which was one of the more historic, classic Vegas-type shows. And my first question is, how do you keep that headdress on? Because I just keep waiting for that to fall off of everyone. <laughs> they have fallen off occasionally. <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> you know, if you have a good hat that's well-balanced on your head, you, just, you stand up straight. Yes. <laughs> you just stand up straight and you work those neck muscles and you get, you get used to it like anything else. And From an outsider's perspective, it just is one of those things that just looks incredibly difficult. It's like watching a magician go, I have no idea how you do that. But you must be very comfortable because you just did it with ease. (laughs) Well, you rehearse a lot. So you get to the point to where you rehearse so much that you get to the point where it feels weird when you go back into a rehearsal and you're not wearing it. And all of a sudden you're like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my head? Like, you know? Well, and, and that's it. A costume or a prop or a lack of the things that you're comfortable with can really bring on that sort of self-conscious feel. I, I remember the first time that I sang without being behind a drum set, and it was that same thing. It was like, oh. where, I have two hands and these arms that just should, what should I be doing with them? Yeah. You know? Right? You're out of your comfort zone. Completely. I, I prefer going back behind my little wooden fortress and <laughs> just making noise from there. <laughs> Was that show, was it more that you were working with a choreographer than a director? Or did you have both? No, yeah. So the show itself, like, when I first went in, you know, I've been running for years before. So it was a well-oiled machine. And you just, you go in, you have captains that do the rehearsals, and they just basically give you the choreography is set. Um, every now and then they'd make changes, but they were little changes because the director was like, no, it's go ahead and do something else here. But for the most part, that choreography, it was the show ran like a machine. Everything, it was like pieces of a puzzle you were putting together. Mm-hmm. Which actually could be stifling. And at the same time, I really appreciated even more at the, towards the end how they created these patterns and how not only was their choreography on stage, but off stage. 
it was you went out the wrong time. You were going into, you know, you're going right upstream through a group of dancers coming off stage. So everything was very well pieced together. And then we had, they brought in a new choreographer trying to revamp it. But unfortunately, the, the, um, it just, it didn't mesh. It didn't work with the style of the show. Oh, that's a shame. So, was it, was it really intimidating when you first went in? Because you're working with these people that are seasoned within that show. Uh, but you have to learn how to sync up to the T with all these people right now. Yes. Was that a little overwhelming at first? It was very, well, and I was, I was a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I think, 20, 21. So, and, you know, I'd only done ballet and modern company dance work. Um, I was doing, like, Nutcrackers and Swan Lake and things like that. Mm-hmm. This was the, by far, the biggest production I'd ever done and it, it was a cast of 85 wow. and there was just as many crew so I just soaked it all in I didn't I remember I didn't know how to do my makeup like they, they wound up having Matt come in later to show people but this that I didn't know so I'm learning and my uh one of my captains came up to me one day and um she told me our company manager told her to go help the girl meeting me (laughs) but she took me aside and she took her time and showed me how to do makeup and I still think I'm learning how to do proper show makeup but but it was very endearing and and you know it was just you know that's the sense of humor and you another thing another time you have to learn like not be sensitive and sometimes that would take me some time to not be sensitive but eventually you get to the point where you're just like, you know what? Really our job is to go in, entertain, take a bow, and then you get to go home. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it really took some courage for you to go in and audition and do the, the things that you needed to do to get that gig because being so young and not not seasoned in what they were doing and go into one of the hottest shows in one of the biggest entertainment cities in the world that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, it was. I I didn't. Um, oh my, I didn't know how to audition. I I showed up. I was in like modern dance, booty shorts, leggings. I didn't know. Like, <laughs> so I literally every audition I was learning, and and later because you know I I was one of the taller girls, and then later they they featured me, which was awesome. And I would do a lot of interviews as well, and I was doing solos, and that was great. And um, But it took me three auditions to get in, because I think I just didn't know what I was doing. Wow. <laughs> but you kept at it. You, know? you, you didn't give up. You kept going back in and saying, maybe this time, maybe this time, and then finally you, you found that right formula. That That's really that, cool. Because that I might think... be the story of my life. <laughs> I just keep going. <laughs> I just don't give up. <laughs> but you know what? That's the difference, I think, because it's so easy to get discouraged. And I have a lot of friends in Hollywood that go on two or three auditions a day. And, you know, most of them, they never hear back. And it really just takes that, I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. This is what I am. It's not even a choice. It's it's what you do. And to not let the situation or the business or the look on everyone's faces get you down and to just keep walking back in there and going, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to keep trying until I do. Yeah. And it's not to say, like, I think we all go through those moments where it's like, okay, what am I doing? Or, you know, you just, you, you can't help but just feel that heaviness and that weight. And then 
I think that's why you have to have a lot of um, things and other aspects of your life that you enjoy doing, and it takes your mind out of it, and you realize this is not everything. And then another opportunity comes, and then all of a sudden, you, you book that next job, and it's great. You have a great experience, and you're like, that wave with you, like, oh, this is what I'm doing. And then you're back at it again. It's cyclical. It's like, okay, audition, repeat, book, don't book, repeat, you know. It, it's just, I do work out quite a bit, and I think that's not only for uh, physicality, but it's the big mental and emotional stress reliever mm-hmm. as well that brings me brings me joy. So it's, just, it's another avenue right. as opposed to just waiting for that call if I booked it or not. And I honestly now, and only because I think there's a couple of auditions that I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I really want this one. But for the most part, I've gotten to where it's like, I've done so many that it's like, okay, on to the next one. Right. To the point where I, I forget what I submit for. I forget what I'm up for. Or if I booked or not, and then my agent will let me know if I booked it or if I didn't book it, which that happens more times than not. Then, you know, I'll see, oh, my friend got that one. Or, you know, so, you know, it's yeah. just, that's all part of it. And it's, it's not easy. And then you're waiting, because then you're waiting to get the audition. And then you're waiting to hear if you got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, and if you dig into something else and you can just kind of let that go and because it's going to do whatever yes. it's going to do, being being yeah. uh, nervous about it or being excited about it either way is not going to make anything change. You, you've done your part. Yes. So being able to let that go and dig your, your and, and doing something physical like that obviously works for what you're doing because being a dancer, being an actor, you have to be fit. Uh, unless you're playing roles I would get where you would don't have to be fit. Like <laughs> guy in armchair would be perfect for you. But uh, but yeah, it it's, uh, it really does kind of tie in and work for you on multiple levels. So that's a great thing to do. Before we go, uh, you know, a lot of people, of course, come here to uh, to Vegas to do exactly what you're doing to get into a show, to get into the you know the the uh, plays because now obviously our our theater is getting really really big as well, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so many new little companies are, are creeping up and there's more and more places, especially now that downtown's being rebuilt a little bit. Oh my God. Vegas is like, even just the last 10 years, it's when I came back from New York a few years ago, I was, and I saw a production at a public fit and I saw somebody at Cockroach and I was like, whoa, they're doing some good up here. Yeah. Like, there's some... It's growing, and, you know, and at the time, we had a few Broadway shows here as well, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't have one at the moment, but at least we have the Smith Center that toured. I was really, like, I was like, it was, it was exciting. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. Uh, what what advice would you give to someone who's trying to do what you do? And, I mean, obviously, the, you have to be dedicated. You have to be passionate. You have to find that strengthen you that says even when things are tough I will persevere because this is what I want yes but what would you say to say you know somebody who's just trying to get into the business now and maybe Vegas is a target for them and maybe they were thinking bigger shows like Cirque du Soleil because that's Mm -hmm. mainly what we're known for and we're not as well known for theater Um, but I think that's going to change I think people will start coming here for that uh, what would you say t- to them to maybe help them be a little bit more successful as they're growing? I would, okay, well, let me preface this, that I I don't give advice because I feel like 
I'm still learning. And I feel like everyone's journey is, especially in this business, is so different. Everyone's path is different and it's going to change along the way. I will say that if I could go back and what I try to do now is really uh, research. So if you want to be with Cirque du Soleil, look, go, if you can, and I know not everyone can, but it's difficult, money and whatnot, but if you can, fly to Vegas and watch shows. Mm -hmm. See the type of performers. Now with social media, you can look anyone up and see what it is, who they're hiring, who they're looking for. Follow them. And I, you know, Broadway is your goal. So if you can, go to New York and see those shows. Or if shows are touring into your city, try to go and see what they're like and, and I guess just educate yourself the best way you can and then find out Maybe there's people that you admire, an actor or a dancer or an acrobat or an aerialist, and try to find them and see, like, how do they train? What do they do? What it takes to get to that level? Because it, I guarantee that it didn't, you know, it didn't happen overnight. You know that this was years in the making. You know they still work hard every day. And just to learn I think that's the best way if you're if you're new. Like, if you're already working, then you know what it takes. But if you're really new and just starting out, then you kind of you have to learn what... Like, I think education is the most powerful thing. So the more we know, right. then there's a step up. And then you can take that next step. I need to go take this class. I need to go find out when this audition is. Oh, this audition is this time. I need to prepare a solo. Why I need to start working. Does that make sense? Like, if yeah. I could go back, I would try to, like, if I was 15, 16, I would, you know, if I could have, I would have tried to take a trip to New York, or I didn't know what a showgirl show was till I, you know, moved to Vegas, and I would say I still didn't know my first two years in Vegas. I just knew girls at school, I was at UNLV, people were, you know, a girl was at Follies, and I was like, that would be really cool to be able to dance for a living. Right, yeah. So when I finally saw Jubilee, it was kind of a shock. I was like, there's so much going on. Right. So, but that was great. Like, you need to go and see what what it's like. And when I was in New York at acting school, I went to, like, as many places I could every week, on Broadway, off Broadway, small, big, you know, as many as I could. And the beauty about New York is... You can do standing room, and you can do uh, lotto, and you, like, I don't think I ever saw a show for more than 40 bucks, which as a student, there was student discount, was great. Yeah. So I just, I, I saw as much as I could. I'd get to the theater early and stand in line, and, you know, I hope I'd get a ticket. And Yeah. And that's kind of the nice thing, too, about having theater growing here is that, you know, not every show has to be $105 or $75. Right. You can just say, you know what, I feel like going and seeing a show this week, and one of our theaters is going to be playing something. Yeah. You know, if not two or three of them. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough, Katrina, for coming on the show. You've just been wonderful. And for somebody who doesn't give advice, you just gave some great advice. So thank you. Um, <laughs> where, where can people uh, follow you on social media? I mostly do Instagram, and I have my website um, that I try to keep updated which is just katrinacurro.com. And then my Instagram is just at katrinacurro. So it's pretty simple. Um, trying to do better with that, but I have to say sometimes I let it 
abide by the wayside. Yeah, it's it's easy. And and the thing is, is if you're not on a gig, you're you don't have much to put up. And if you are on a gig, you don't have the time to mess with your website. It's such a <laughs> weird balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I hope that you'll come on the show again. You've been absolutely wonderful, and I I you know I adore you, and I just can't wait to see what you do next. <laughs> well, thank you. I enjoyed this. It was so nice talking to you. You too, Katrina. Take care. All right. You too, Scott. Thanks. Isn't she just a sweetheart? She's one of the nicest people that I've ever met. And it's such a joy to hang out with her and, you know, kind of get to know her and and hear about the experiences that she's had. I think she's really going to have a great career going forward. And I'm really excited to watch that uh, unfold. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us once again. And a reminder to you, please make sure that you leave your reviews, your ratings on iTunes or whatever format that you are listening to the show on. And if you have any questions, suggestions, anything at all, write me at Scott at scottheskin.com. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next show.